0: Get it all. Fuck it. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll
1: do it live.
0: <laughs> Fuck it. We'll do it live. One day. Probably. Welcome to Oops All Monsters, the deadly, unserious show about creatures, cryptids, and curiosities curated by two weirdos from wild and wonderful West Virginia. That weirdo with me, when I can get him to stop stalking Jamie Lee Curtis around the streets of suburban Illinois, is Gavin.
1: And this weirdo with me who supplied his own face for the mask is Hess.
0: Uh, did you just ad-lib that off of my thought? Yeah, because it was fast. Shatner. I'm Shatner, I barely knew her. <laughs> and we are here to, as we always are, delight and edify... You, with tales of mysterious monsters from mythology, film, literature, TV, as well as gaming from the console and the tabletop and beyond. On a rotating basis, each of us brings a monster into the shop, unknown to the other presenter, and discusses their origins and implications for the benefit of you, dear readers at home. Quick reminder, please check the Instagram, at oopsallmonsters.com. There's stuff to check out there. Um, Okay, okay. So, because this is a... Gavin episode. It's a Gavin
2: episode.
0: I have brought today what we start every show with, which is um, a delving into the unlikely avenues of the English language that we call... Villainous Vocabulary. And what I have is... Adronitus, Adronitus, sounds l- It sounds like a Greek god, but is A D R O N I T I S. Adronitus. It is frustration with how long it takes to get to
1: know someone. Oh yeah,
0: um, yeah. It's uh, I. That's, that's 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 what I got. Shield uh, captain
1: I, of the adeptus because it f- fucking warhammer.
0: <laughs> you, you, Warhammer gazebos um, really ruins all the words because they use all the words in the in the for for terrible things. Yeah, I don't even know Warhammer, but it gives everything a terrible shoulder pad mini gun meaning that doesn't make any sense.
1: Yeah, and if you are frustrated with Games Workshop, come on over to BattleTech. Come on over. <laughs> Um,
0: so there we go. That's our villainous vocabulary. It is frustration with how long it takes to get to know someone. Yeah. Which I think is a lot of the reason that people stop making friends. Yeah. At least me. (laughs) Starting in like my thirties. I'm like,
1: eh, what does it take? Like years? I don't don't have years. Normally there's a lot of, um, special cases, but normally it is immediate for me. If whether or not I am going to love this person or I will love this person for today and then never see them again, <laughs> which is usually the case. Or I will awkwardly negotiate around this person until they decide they hate me. Yeah.
0: Usually after I get them into my van and show them I
1: pulled the pin out of the grenade, they're very friendly. <laughs> <Yeah. so.
0: laughs> Adronitis.
1: Adronitis. <laughs> Something I don't get.
2: Villainous vocabulary.
0: Yeah, usually, usually they're all things that torture Gavin. But um, this one is more of a me one. Yeah, we'll get through. We'll get through them all eventually. All right. Uh, and now that we have escaped villainous vocabulary, Gavin, what should we think about for our, if you will, intro to this will? week's
1: monster? If you will imagine, imagine that you are a single mother in the late '80s and. You just got a job at the New York Institute of Art or something like that. And while you're very specific, yeah, while you're showing up for your fourth or fifth day of work, you have to avoid the uh, seemingly Hungarian immigrant um, boss of yours, (laughs) who is also, yeah, I think you probably got it.
0: No, I don't. But okay. I, 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 already. It's just. I know it's because I have a terrible memory. Because this sounds like something. It is. Something. And I'm going to be
1: really mad. C- um, carry on. So you get to work on uh, touching up and restoring old paintings. Oh. Whenever. Go ahead. Um, a, <laughs> an old associate of yours makes his way in. This person is dangerous to be seen with because of uh, various shenanigans that he has caused through New York City with his friends. Um,
0: Okay, I want to buzz in early on this one. Yes. Am I Vigo the Carpathian? Yes,
1: you are Vigo the Carpathian.
0: (laughs) Yes. All right, folks, so in this case, um, I'm really going to have to pull back the curtain and say, we really don't plan these in advance. No, I really, did, no, we
1: really don't. No, that's we what really I was going to say. I was going to warn everybody that Vigo the Carpathian from Moldavia was planned to to be my monster of about um, the beginning of this year. I was going to do this monster after. Uh huh. Yeah. So <clears throat> I didn't. I did not plan this.
0: Why did it? Get, why did it take so long to get around
1: to it? Um, oh, I wanted to be in a really good mood to do Vigo.
0: Because <laughs> it's such a bummer or because it's you like the topic?
1: Um, oh, I like the topic. Oh, I was talking in reference to him being from, like, um, Mar- Moldavia, which is oh. Ukraine-adjacent.
0: Oh right, okay. Yeah. Is wait, is that a real place? I Moldavia? thought all, I thought all of that.
1: No, it's I not baloney. Carpathia was a place. Oh well, yeah. yeah Car- I
0: guess the Carpathia Carpathia certainly is a real place. Yeah. I don't know why I. Because, I mean, yeah. Obviously, some of it is geographically real, Aaron. Jeez. <laughs> I just because the. It, I mean, his name has so much balonium that I thought you know. Yeah. I. But yeah, of course the the you know yeah Carpathia sure, okay so. For our totally disoriented readers, this is the primary antagonist for not Ghostbusters, but Ghostbusters Dose. Yeah. Um, the Ghostbusters 2 film with Bill Murray and Harold Ramis and uh, the other ones.
1: <laughs> the other ones?
2: <laughs> this is Prince Rigo, the roller of in Moldavia
1: No, I'm kidding. Yeah, to a lesser extent, I'm going to include the Scolari brothers. Great. Uh, let's see. Um...
0: You know Ghost Bursters is not the what not what I
1: want say. <laughs> ghost
0: Bursters Don't I don't google um don't google that Um but I have such god <laughs> god, god, god
1: damn it Or you know. can keblops?
0: No I'm I'm clicking on things to make sure that I have all of the r- relevant names in front of me and it just bothers me how far down the IMDb Ernie Hudson I- the Ernie Hudson is yeah. Because you got, like, nine white people and then Ernie Hudson. But whatever. Yeah. <laughs> whatever. It's fine. Um.
1: Anyway, but- Vigo, the scourge of Carpathia, the sorrow of Moldavia, who sits on a mountain of skulls. Um, of a sissy, isn't he? No, wait. Yeah. Who sits on a throne of skulls in a mountain of pain. No, on a throne of blood. What the hell? A mountain <laughs> of skulls. In a river of pain, on a throne of blood. He was a very powerful magician, Doctor Rinkman. Partridge and a partridge, all kinds of uh, fucking Dark Age uh, studded leather bastard sword <laughs> villain type shit.
3: Ain't he
2: a genius in many ways? He was also a lunatic and a genocidal madman.
1: Egon straight up calls Vigo a monster, so I will include Vigo as a monster. And not necessarily like strictly a ghost, because he, well, yeah, he physically well, yeah, manifests sure. a couple of times.
0: Well, and we'll get I into mean, it,
1: the Ray possession here later. But Yeah, Vigo, okay. I mean,
0: if we have if we have to rationalize him, I have no, I think he's totally a monster. Totally. If we have to rationalize him, he's supernatural. He's um, on some level like immortal yeah. because he's been trapped inside this painting uh, in a manner for centuries um and he he develops a new physical form and the plan is for him to take on a new physical form which is the you know the the um bolonium of the episode <laughs> yes in, adi- in addition to how much i like ghostbusters too it also gives us avenues to talk about lots of specific things that i like talking about but we'll get we we'll get into all of those, like um, how, like Peter, like Peter McNichol. Yes, like Peter uh, McNichol. I fucking, lo- that's what I fucking
1: love, Peter McNichol. <laughs> as Yannos, as Yannos, the the not he's he's from the Upper West Side. He's not an immigrant.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A child. A child. A child. Whoa. 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 Oh.
0: Child. He's from lots of places, like our friend <laughs> yeah. uh, Chris from um, from the Swords movie.
3: Talk funny, Nash. Where are you from? Lots of different places.
1: L- Vigo was played by Wilhelm von Homburg and is voiced by Max von Sydow.
0: He's Maxed by von Sydow. I how did I ever? How did I not ever notice that? Yeah. God, wow. Okay. Interesting. I never. You know, there is something disconnected about his voice and now that completely makes sense because that's really not that dude's voice and I I just I mean because it's a supernatural character who's like coming out of a painting and kind of is like a digit or a like a, a cinematic series of effects it's easy to not really notice. Like that's not that dude's voice. That dude is in Die Hard. He doesn't sound like that.
1: Yeah.
2: I, Vigo, the scourge of Carpathia, the sorrow of Moldavia, command you. Oh, command me, Lord.
0: Speaking of which, that guy, whatever, whatever his name is again, the the actual guy, uh, not, Wilhelm not von out. Yeah, is he? I, is there anything I would have seen him in other than in um, Die Hard? Because, uh, 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 let's see, I guess I'll look looking at it. Midnight Cabaret. In, apparently, he's in, in the Mouth of Madness as Simon. His last credit was in 2000. so uh, He was in no. The Silence of
1: the Hams.
0: Well, it's because he, he died in 2004. Yeah. So that would explain that. Um, German as fuck. Um,
1: Who was okay, he in cool. Die Hard? What? He's one of the he's one
0: of the goons. Of
1: he he's, is, um, I, oh no, that would be horrible of me to not know which ones. You didn't know he was in Die Hard. I oh, knew something no. about Die Hard that you
0: didn't. Oh, he's, he's his credit is and James. Dude,
1: James. He was James. His credit is James. Oh, he was hilarious. James.
0: Oh my God! The, yeah, the he's the one that says no, no, no. He's not the one that says they're off using artillery yeah. on us he's like the he's like the big hulking one that doesn't fucking say yeah, shit yeah he doesn't Who say gets shit the, um, he, gets the, he gets the mortar cannon out yeah
1: he's the one he's the one that shoots the the LAPD APC <laughs> correct yeah. he, with his like the
0: bazooka he fires the bazooka at the APC and like yeah. kills a bunch of guys
1: yeah he gets taken out when Bruce Willis detonates the C4 <laughs>
0: It's the only way to be sure. He's also in um oh yeah, Silence of the What the fuck is Silence of the Hams. Anyway, we're gonna get out of this. <laughs> what do we want to say about Peter McNichol? Um <laughs> Sure, why not? I'm I can I could can grab this octopus by any leg. I don't care. He
1: whatever he did to to get that character down was perfect. I don't know what method he uses but it's amazing how how fast he turns into a an awkward whiny upper class uh j- just neurotic type of um <laughs> hilarious hilarious character janos is and um
0: yeah y- janos is um he's a he's a great dance of and there's a lot of this in the Ghostbuster in the two um OG Ghostbusters movies, which is a a lovely blend of stereotype and heart. Yeah. Where it where you are handed a stereotype and you do you do way more with it than somebody else would, because on the page, Yanosh is probably a completely disposable. Like hench douchebag yeah. with an accent, right? Yeah. Yeah, yes, we don't go around altering
3: liable afterwards, Doctor Ranklin go. Yes, I think no. Yes, the joyfulness is over. And
0: but then Peter McNichol is um, a, <laughs> a, a master of, of of being him and being not him, and he really he really turns it. I mean, he's the most quotable character in the fucking movie. Why like, am my drippings he with goo. He is
1: above Bill
0: Murray. <laughs> Above Bill Murray, yeah. like which is which is saying a lot, yeah. you know, it, uh, more so than there are many subtle layers and anything else in the movie. Yeah, the
1: I, I have I have kind of a theory that Janos um, was like a, a personalityless like type of goon, and Peter McNichol got the part and went through the script and 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 realized that he's got a lot of screen time. Like Janos is doing yeah. something almost every other scene, so Peter McNichol probably decided to make the character like a a supporting cast, if not like a main character. He's like, well, Vico's not really in the movie, so I will be the villain, and here we go.
0: Well, I mean, for non-comedy people, um, it may not be massively obvious, but the the secret and inc- the secret strength of, um. Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters Two, and is that it's um it's an improvisers movie made by improvisers yeah. Yeah. like Harold Harold Ramis and and Dan Aykroyd would be more of the serious like quote unquote serious like writerly types yeah but they're writing for improvisation yeah. so you they're not they're not going to be massively precious about it you know because obviously. Bill Murray is given a certain amount of... Now you're just going to fucking Bill Murray around for a bit in this scene. Because otherwise, it just... How could all of that be written down exactly as it is? (laughs) There's no way. So if you have Rick Moranis and and Annie Potts and these other people, you're not handing them this script and saying, do it exactly like this. And you'd better hit this exact spot every moment. And, you know, otherwise you don't get to, like, yes, have some. And you don't get to (laughs) all of these, like... Little Ghostbusters moments yeah, of pure Peter McNichol reality. Yeah,
1: Peter McNichol specifically when he comes by during the powder out, power outage and he says, "How is the baby?" Ooh, ooh. And then Sigourney Weaver says, "He's sleeping." And then he says, "Oh, but I would." <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, how is the baby? Oh, he's he's okay. Yes. Yes. <sighs>
3: he's uh
2: sleeping
0: oh but i would it's okay <laughs> and also i i'm almost positive that everything you're doing is bad yeah. i just want you to know that's i'm that can't be in the script no, that's no, gotta that's be that's absolutely
1: gotta be. improvisation yeah if everything you're doing is bad i want you to know this whatever you're doing is bad i want you to know that <laughs>
0: <laughs> within the within the context of the story, what gets the first thing that gets introduced is the evil this giant evil portrait of him at the uh, at the big museum of art. Yeah. Where, what is what what is the connection? She works for Yanish because she's a fucking musician. She's a, a cellist
1: who had a baby and lost her chair to a better cellist. There's a whole thing about this that's not in the movie. That's, like, some okay. kind of weird Ghostbusters canon that might have been in, like, the novelization or the comic book or something like that. And, like, only only is it by Vigo's, like, super evil influence does he become uh, desperately attracted to her.
0: Kind of an odd relationship by a kooky guy with a bizarre accent. And then thanks yeah. to the... The evil ex machina of the influential dictatorial blood-soaked painting of Vigo that contains his immortal soul, or whatever it is, um, it it um, curdles Yanush's um, minor in you know reasonable, otherwise reasonable interest into becoming yeah. a, like kind of an evil Renfield type that's obsessed. Yeah, with her. it
1: was Vigo that made him a creepo. Like, he he originally just kind of had a weird thing. What?
2: Who? I, Vigo, the Scourge of Carpathia, the Sorrow of Moldavia, command you. Oh, command me, lord!
1: The slime that powers Vigo, and this I'm unsure about, which is strange, and I couldn't really find it in, like, the... F- four or five minutes ago I was gathering to get it. I don't know if Vigo came first or if the slime came first. I think maybe it was the slime. But the slime is yeah, psychomagnetheric mean... slime, which is um, affected by the mood of whatever is around... of the living things around it, which would be New Yorkers in this case.
0: Right. It's kind of a bad... It's a bad vibes magnifier. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's like if if you are going to feel jealous you're gonna feel like a hundred times jealous yeah. if you're gonna feel angry you're gonna feel a hundred times angry so you're getting you're, you're fist fighting you're screaming at each other airport stress all the time
1: yeah. and and it is worth noting that like when the balonium polarity is reversed and it's like positive slime it's more like a drug than it is a magnifier because it 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 induces some type of like euphoria, immediate euphoria effect instead of magnifying anything that you already had.
0: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I I will say that now that I'm like officially thinking about this movie critically in terms of in terms of like, wait a second, why did that happen like that? I never I never really thought about like, wait a second, where'd all that fucking slime come from? Yeah. Because, like, when you when you say "What's the chicken or egg?" and if you ask, <laughs> "Did Vigo summon the slime?" I, I immediately go like, "No, I don't. I don't think so." You know, I feel I feel like the, either they're two independent events, which is weird yeah. from storytelling, from a storytelling perspective. But it, it seems more likely, but that the slime would be the responsible party. But then, like, why would just some metaphysical slime just th- just happen? Because that's weird on its own, right? Yeah. Like, and it, it it there's also not some larger story that they explain where you know New Yorkers finally got shitty enough in you know 1990 or whatever it is to summon this. Oh. Like, physical manifestation
1: of their bad mood. It's explained in the unofficial third movie, which is the video game. Um, it yeah, came from Slime Laboratories yeah. on Shandor Island, and it's directly related to Gozer.
0: What the fuck is Shandor Island? Shandor Island... Um, <laughs> is that a real thing?
1: No. Um,
0: Okay, or it's like it's it's where
1: the hobbits of of Greenwich Village (laughs) retire. The Shandors owned the island for generation, and a castle was built on it. Ivo Shandor used it as a refuge and a lab and a temple for the Gozer cult worship. So it was like an island um, somewhere between New York and uh, one of the immediate places around New York, I guess, like uh Massachusetts or New Jersey or something. Somewhere in huh. between all of that.
0: Okay. So the substance was actually like
1: Yeah, like a, a Gozer cult creation. Um Yeah, and it got I guess um trapping Gozer made it uh explode and flow into the sewers. Or not trapping Gozer, but um, zapping him away.
0: Okay, fascinating. But
1: that is that is a video game explanation for like twenty years after the movie was made. So right, <laughs> yeah.
0: would, And so I, I'm going to give everybody a um, a pass to go ahead and put this put this in the in the brackets, if you like. And if it, if it makes your enjoyment of Ghostbusters better and more complete, great. If you dislike it, then throw it out the door. Doesn't, yeah. doesn't, fuck, doesn't fucking matter. Because yeah, that's pretty much what I, the, the video game needs. Because, like, I really dislike it when, personally, that a, a sequel kind of tries to take everything that you've already got and tie it into one tapestry in a way that's like neat and tidy. Yeah. And and I can understand why that is that very commonly happens because you want to play you want to play tunes that are going to give the nostalgic consumers some of what they want in references to the previous like M- yeah, media items, right? You yeah, want to, yeah. you want to give them things, but I, I also think that it, in a way, it's kind of disingenuous to the media because the media itself is very creative and very interested in making something new and not derivative. Yeah. So being derivative of the media, it's kind of like if you want to be, if you want to be like the Rolling Stones, don't wear a Rolling Stones T-shirt. You know, wear wear no wear just leather pants and, um, and marker on your chest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and like tribal makeup and uh, track marks or something. You know yeah. that, like <laughs> they, it's it, being like the Rolling Stones is is not um, having their poster on the wall. You know, there's there's kind of there, there's an authenticity thing here, but I can. I can go off forever on these angles. Yeah. So,
1: well, in a, in a world where, um, there's a, an extreme amount of leeway towards the Sumerian religion, which was like a kind of a real thing. Um, it's where you could just have crazy make them ups. Like, uh, Gozer is suddenly one of them and Tiamat's mad at Gozer. Then you right. could certainly have somewhere else, uh, be uh, like you. You could certainly make somewhere else the origin of the slime. Like maybe the slime came from a completely different, unrelated deity or event. Yeah, which I, the I can... which actually the Ghostbusters cartoon did all the time and really well
0: yeah, the Ghostbusters cartoon had a real um, vast panoply of um, supernatural entities that were just ripping around the greater New York area. You know, the the idea, the the fact that there's one non-religious person left in Manhattan after a couple of years of the Ghostbusters verse (laughs) seems a little bit absurd. I'm like, well, we definitely proved the afterlife because there's all sorts of gods and demigods just marching around, fucking up everybody's afternoon every week.
1: Well, there's a thing about that. Um, the ghosts and, uh, spirits that comes th- are, are classified as anchored non-corporeal elemental or, or vapors or spirits or imprints, okay. which means they could be like a simulacrum of what was living rather than a direct, um... That after so occurrence of they're of that an,
0: they're life. an they're an echo rather than a soul. Yeah, on, that's on well, level. that's
1: a possibility. Yeah, but, but okay. that's that's I mean the that, theory that theory that like yeah, that's the theory that, that Egon would believe, and not the theory that Ray would believe because Ray's more spiritual. Which is yeah, um, how I was what I was going to get into about how no one else in Ghostbusters or at least none of the other Ghostbusters can be possessed. Except for Ray. <laughs>
0: um, okay, how do you, do you mean by your own internal logic or by the actual log by the actual logic established by the, the films? By
1: my own internal logic and in what I know about Dan Aykroyd and how he wanted to okay. character. Like uh, I well, think that,
0: blow that up because I think that's interesting.
1: Yeah. Um Egon would be a scientist. He approaches all of this. All of these ghosts, from a scientific viewpoint, and he would say that they were they are echoes and imprints on reality. And Ray would argue, no, everybody's got a soul. I can feel it. I know that I have a soul because he's a lot. He's way more spiritual, and because of this, like empathy that he has, um, I think he's susceptible to the possession. And Peter vankman is like a bullshitter, and he's pretty pretty clever in his own right. And I think that that staves off ghosts or whatever these things are from possessing uh, Vankman, M- mostly because they don't want to. It would probably more, be more of a burden to possess Vankman than it would, like, an advantage. And as far mm-hmm. as Winston goes, Winston's a tough, strong-willed, no-nonsense type of guy. So that's another, like, avoidance thing. It would be harder to possess him than it would be worth. But Ray with this curiosity and um, feelings towards, uh, I guess that would just be curiosity. Just his, his empathy for everything around him and his urge to understand in a spiritual way opens up a pathway for these uh, possessors to just jump right in and take over <laughs> and take over his body completely. Huh?
0: Yeah, that's very interesting. I, and Although, like when I was a kid, original originally consuming the Ghostbusters media, I was never like a, I was never a Dan Aykroyd. I was always an Egon. Yeah. I so I've always associated like Harold Ramis has always felt like my spirit animal. You know, yeah. he's kind of the he's kind of the Spock of the Ghostbusters universe. Yeah, and and that's always appealed to the way that my brain is. But also, but the thing about you know, have you are you aware that Dan Aykroyd has discussed about how there basically would be no Ghostbusters if uh, without him being on the spectrum? Yeah. Okay, so I mean, there. If you if you look up basically Dan Aykroyd, if you Google Dan Aykroyd, says being on the spectrum helped him make Ghostbusters. Essentially, you have he talks about being diagnosed with Tourette's when he was twelve. Um, and in interviews, he, you know, kind of humorously and also kind of vulnerably discusses, you know, he like barks <laughs> and maybe howls at the moon yeah. and that um, his alienation from being like a really strange kid uh, caused him to uh, obsess over certain certain things, including ghosts and law enforcement. And I'm quoting him. It says, I carry around a police badge with me, for example. He's always done this since he was like, I think either a kid or an adolescent. He says he feels naked without carrying the police badge. I became obsessed by Hans Holzer, the greatest ghost hunter ever. That's when the idea of my film Ghostbusters was born. And so we all have to also recognize that the the germ of the idea of the Ghostbusters at all was totally a Dan Aykroyd thing. Well, yeah, and yeah. that that he really would not be who he was if he was not autistic. So if you if you're a Ghostbusters fan, realize it is an autistic creation. I I'm very I, I it's very important to me to to make that direct connection.
1: He also wanted the original Ghostbusters to be like plumbers in space in the year mm-hmm. four thousand.
0: Oh, yeah, the original the original idea was a a great deal more gonzo, (laughs) which is also why I happen to know that um, Ghostbusters 2 is actually much more in line with what was the original script for Ghostbusters 1. So essentially, Ghostbusters 1 was a prequel they wrote about their original idea. (laughs) So like starting out. Like where Ghostbusters 2 starts, which is with them kind of like on the outs and not being able to get a children's party to pay attention to them because He-Man is more popular. That was basically yeah. where the original script was at the time to- when it, the, the idea originally came out and they said, OK, well, what if we we what if we went back to, you know, kal landing on Earth and getting out of the pod and becoming Superman, except with, with the Ghostbusters. What if we did it as an origin story? And that was obviously a much better choice because you learning, seeing how that gets built gives you a much more tangible Ikea effect of, you know, coming, coming along with the Ghostbusters and being like, okay, sliding down the fire pole and choosing the choosing the headquarters and getting the hearse and hiring Janine and all that shit makes it feel a lot more, like, plausible.
1: Yeah, they... In Ghostbusters 2, they had to... They were knocked back down to kind of, like, not Ghostbusters status, because the kids didn't want them around. They got a restraining order keeping them from using their proton packs. Um, yeah. And then uh, that the Scolari brothers who show up, who have a, an extensive amount of entries on the Ghostbusters wiki that's all about the makeup and nothing about <laughs> who they killed or why they were sentenced to death. <laughs> huh.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, and I wonder if that emphasis is because whoever maintains this wiki is kind of like Seeing it from a, a juvenile point of view, yeah, maybe. And rather than a obsessed <laughs> with serial killing point of view, but I mean, because the thing is, like, there's an underpinning of really dark shit in all of the Ghostbusters. It tends yeah. to just only come out in a handful of scenes, but you know, there's like real death and destruction on the periphery of these movies, right? Because yeah. they do establish very real stakes. They just tend to pull them back toward the ends of the film. Um, the, but yeah, I mean, things are a little bit cartoony and kind of over the top and and family friendly.
1: But, yeah, they, you know,
0: these are like murder... These are multiple murderers who are like literally being fried in their electric chairs. They're zooming around... This courtroom.
1: <laughs> yeah, who were who were accidentally um modeled after the after the family in, in uh, Goonies because like off script really? Yeah, off script Tony and Tony and Nunzio Scolari was uh were were part of a crime family where Mama Scolari ran it all. Huh and yeah that was that was like a, an idea f- whenever they were coming up with ghostbusters too like it was in the script that that's where they came from, and later they realized that's just the crime family from the goonies. It's like two <laughs> bumbling yeah two bumbling brothers and like a mean mother who
0: <laughs> well, you know, and that's but that's also in the seventies and eighties yeah the um yeah. The, the amount the amount to which people were. Um, drawing from the Barker Gang, yeah, of a, of a few decades prior, and and,
1: and j- Scooby Doo,
0: <laughs> really, really wanting to steal that template of kind of the hand hand wringing, scheming family of like evil hench people. That's that's just kind of also bubbling through the culture. So I, you know, if you're gonna st- if you're gonna steal some stereotypes for a movie with villainous criminals in it, I I can see how you
1: grab that, and it's not a, a shock. Yeah, they. It's also been suggested they were based on the Blues Brothers, which is kind of I mean probably true, and as well as uh, a couple of brothers robbed uh, Harold Ramis' father. Uh, Whenever he owned a store and assaulted him and kind of matched the description of the Scolari brothers, which would be hilarious if he remembers the Scolari brothers as these uh, extraordinarily emaciated and extremely fat goober cartoons (laughs) who Uh came into his father's store demanding money and it said it says that, that he was assaulted which i assume he was probably punched or pistol whipped or something and that's how harold ramis remembers it or is are these like ghost puppets coming in the store and going i'm
0: i'm curious <laughs> if that's something that he witnessed or whether that was something that was just third person through his father but that would be a very yeah that would imprint you a lot yeah. it, you know no matter even if you were like a teen by that point that would be very um Yeah, impression. It would would leave a a real mark on your mind.
3: What was will be, what is will be no more. Now is the
2: season of evil.
0: And now, a short visit from
3: Professor Marmalade to sort this all out. This is Professor Marmalade, coming at you hot from underneath the abandoned Shonies in Star City, West Virginia. Technically Vigo the Carpathian is a level 4 ghost within the context of the Ghostbuster Reverse, who upgrades to a level 7 thanks to the evil bad mood slime running underneath New York City at the time of his arrival. It seems most likely that the Pink Ooze, which is a manifestation of negative emotions in the city, excites the Moldavian tyrant from his exile inside the portrait, but this isn't made explicit in the film. Vigo appears to demonstrate certain demonic traits, including the possession of Ray Stance for a short period, a demonic form during the climax of the evil baby attacking ritual, and the mind controlling of Dr. Yanish Pohar in supernatural bolts that fire electrically from painted eyes. Narrative elements combined with his particular abilities would indicate that Prince Vigo is in fact a magician, likely a sorcerer of some kind, who taps into the power of other evil entities in order to exact his evil goals. To quantify Vigo, one might call him a level 12 undead sorcerer, or a form of lit that has used his own portrait as a tree. Mic drop. Professor Marmalade out. So if we get the impression that...
0: Vigo is contemporary with what are called the Moldavian Magnate Wars. You can yeah. see that the painting of this handsome um, must be totally nice guy who never hurt anybody in his life. Chancellor Jens Zamoyski. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can see that there's a that that style of painting would be much more appropriate for um, this period of time, right? Yeah. It's a flat, it's a flatter. Uh, Quasi medieval style that is a bit, it, it's obviously prior to the quality of image making that the really, really high quality painting of Vigo. Um, is. I mean, yeah. it's, a, it's a really beautiful painting if it wasn't being used as the plot device of a, a villain that's going to come out
1: and like, eat a baby. Yeah, actually eat, consume a baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Actually, what what is the I mean, so the the um, well, the, the narrative is that he's going to take over the baby's body. Yeah. Is there is it established how, exactly how that's going to work? It's the outside of the parameters of what they say
1: on screen. It's the anniversary of his death and how the stars are aligned because he was also a sorcerer and the spell he used to leave his head after his head was severed and his soul was in his head right. <laughs> the spell right. he used while he said his last words to go into the painting kind of sets up that it has to be unlocked at this time uh whenever the stars are I'm just instant,
0: wondering but, if his yeah. soul is going to do a jump in there yes. and then like is the baby's soul going to be trapped in the back of his brain the baby's and for the rest soul,
1: of Well, I don't think babies get a soul until they're about 4. <laughs> <laughs> until then you're just goo.
0: <laughs> yeah, on uh, on Christmas, on your fourth birthday, Dan Aykroyd sneaks in your house and shoves your whole your, your soul up your butt. Yeah, <laughs> and you go whoa, and you have a uh, a, a dr- dream about Daryl Hannah, and you wake up a, a shiny nickel
1: under your pillow. <laughs> So anyway, the children, the child Oscar was portrayed by uh, these twins, uh, Henry and William uh, Duchendorf. Deuch- um, Henry, I do
0: remember that coming up on the montage at the end.
1: Yeah. Henry, otherwise known as Hank, suffered from a schizoaffective disorder and unfortunately, uh, ended his own life. So there's a charity called Hank's Hope for a Cure. That, if anybody was curious in looking into, that certainly exists. You could just uh, find it by typing in Hank's Hope for a Cure on Google.
0: Yeah, that's that's very fascinating. Twenty eight is is really early. Can yeah. can you tell me because I'm not nearly as educated on this as you are? Is uh, like, for instance, it, it's not at all the same thing, but f- like for, because this is, if this guy dies at 28, yeah, you know, like if you have schizophrenia, which is a, a very different thing, it tends to come on in adolescence and then people tend to get really bad in their 20s, right? Yes. Is, is schizoaffective similar in that way in terms of its timeline? Yes.
1: Yeah, it is. Okay. Um, The 20s. Especially late 20s are really bad for schizoaffective disorder. Like, I'm not sure exactly what mine was. It was never diagnosed or really, like, looked into. It was always, you know, man up and do something, Gavin. You know, do so, get a job. And so <laughs> uh-huh. whatever it was that happened where reality fell apart and everything was a hazard um, happened whenever I was 28. Actually, on the nose interesting yeah and um it was it was surreal everything was uh a line different like my perception of reality was terrifying it wasn't nothing was real and everything was out to kill me and i nothing could be trusted yeah
0: do not recommend yeah don't Uh, recommend
1: it but i do recommend checking out hank's hope for a cure if you want to It's something that I am supposedly supposedly promoting in everything that I do.
0: He's a man. He was a really cute. uh, They were a really cute couple of big dumb headed babies. Yeah. When they when they were babies, I mean, I uh, it's you see why they picked them to be (laughs) um, like Hollywood
1: babies. Yeah. They were also John Denver's nephews. Almost heaven,
0: West Virginia. Yeah, I'm seeing that. <laughs> um, oh, oh, the world is just a strange place. I, the, the, and I I'm gonna have to make sure I drop in the clip of um, of Bill Murray doing the "You're you're fat, you're lazy, yeah. and you're you're you're, you're fat, <laughs> you're, you're smoking terrible your, burden your, on a terrible your terrible burden on your poor mother." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, it's just, it's probably his most, in my opinion, his most um, citable line from Ghostbusters 2. Not that it's you know it's in terms of a sequel, how do you rank Ghostbusters 2 as sequels tend to
1: go? I will rank it just as I rank Predator 2, which is it's just part of the movie. That's it's it's to come with the first one. You think it's yes. just a complete continuation? It's, it's a complete continuation and it's it it's not necessarily mm. a sequel so much as part two. Well, I won't quite give it that. Well, I'll, I, okay. I will, everybody I will say, everybody hates my uh, theory about this. Predator two and <laughs> Ghostbusters two are both great movies and belong with the first one. Hmm. Uh,
0: I th- I like Ghostbusters two in terms of like that that there's not a degradation in quality more than I like um, Predator two, and I like Predator two fine Predator because two it's it's got a lot of things that I like. It's got it's got Bill Paxton.
2: That's it, man. Game over, man. It's Game over.
0: Yeah. Um, it, it's got uh old. What's his name from from Grand Canyon? Why can't I think of the main fucking characters at uh, the actor's name? Oh, Danny Glover. <laughs> Is Danny fucking Glover? Yeah, <laughs> Danny Glover is good. Bill Paxton is always good, even though unfortunately he's playing like one of these, um, you know, like toothpick or gum chomping Bill Paxton
1: like fuckwads. Yeah, but it's it's obvious how they treat the fuckwad as a fuckwad isn't like glamorizing fuckwaditude.
0: No, he's it's usually a, playing these yeah, characters character that are like meant. They're meant. Yeah, they're he meant to be. Yeah, they're not meant to be heroes, yeah. but because of that, they also inevitably get killed within 30 minutes of being in the movie. So it's, it's, the, it's the main problem with being a Bill Paxton is like your your performance is great, but because your character is terrible, you don't get to survive for that long. <laughs> you know, right. I think Hudson gets the most screen time of just about everything other than like
1: Twister. Um, yeah, Hudson got a lot of screen time.
2: That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over.
0: So Vigo is going to take over these cute giant headed babies yes. through one method or the other. I always assumed that it was just kind of a slide your soul in there and then worry about the personality of the baby on the other side. So yeah, I, th- I'm, I th- I'm
1: pretty sure that there's an entire ritual where timing is important.
0: Well, I know about yeah, that. Yeah. I'm just I don't think that the movie the, the reality of the movie defines a whole lot more of it. You no. know, the, if you once you start looking into this movie, you realize that there's a lot of like, well, we didn't bother answering that because by the time the audience thinks about it, they're already dropping half their popcorn on the floor and you know, going out to to get back in their car and drive home and you know, drink some Jack Daniel's. The Ghostbusters
1: save the day.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing. their giant is
1: statue of liberty mech. The goddamn statue of liberty.
2: S-
0: the real <laughs> the real statue of liberty smashed <laughs> the e- evil pink mood slime with the with the torch of liberty and saved everyone. Smash
1: the I... top of the native american art thing. Uh, Do what now? Uh, the The name of the actual building was renamed. Uh, da, 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 oh, um, the National Museum of the American Indian.
0: Oh, fantastic! Well, how desperately symbolic of the general American business that the giant copper Frenchwoman that represents uh, the liberty of. <laughs> America itself can destroy a giant Native American monument. Well, it
1: it was recently named that. I think um in, I, in the movie, I, it was just called I'm the just museum. I'm just being painfully glib. Yeah. How did you like that general
0: piece of business of them robotizing the Statue of Liberty and using the 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 good vibes okay. of the song played out over the speaker well, and
1: that whole scene. Check this out. The things I love. <laughs> okay. I love big robots. I love I, lo- I the love big buskers. French women. I love big green French women. Big copper French women. <laughs> um, uh-huh. I love New York. I loved all of these things when I was like 12, whenever I watched the VHS, so much that it actually broke. And I don't mean like the <laughs> okay. tape broke. Or the cassette broke and could be repaired a little bit. I mean, I wore it out until it fell apart inside the VCR. That was Ghostbusters 2. It also had um, uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula on it, I think.
0: Oh, so this is like one of those pulled-it-off-from-TV
1: VHS gigs. No, it had... Okay, it had Under Siege and Ghostbusters 2 on it. Okay. Which was ridiculous. Oh, no, it was Tango and Cash. A lot of... A lot of ponytails. Anyway, yeah. Either either way, still a lot of ponytails. But I watched that movie so much that it fell apart in the VCR. I loved Ghostbusters 2, and I loved big robots, and I thought, like, oh, there's Ghostbusters in a big robot, and I myself (laughs) thought that that was over the top and too much, a little bit stupid. (laughs) Me. It is. Who loves stupid shit. Yeah. Yeah. I thought the Statue of Liberty was a little bit too much. Pilot controls are ready.
2: All right, it's getting late. It's almost midnight. Let's go, Venkman. Here's something off the request line from Liberty Island. We gotta squeeze some New Year's juice from ya, Big Apple! You know you're (laughs) alone! It's the morning.
0: I will say that although it is, it's really, um, if not jumping the shark, then like jumping the Hudson Bay or whatever. It's jumping the Statue uh, of Liberty. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Jumping the sandal or whatever you want to call it. But I'm a, su- here's what I'll say. I am a sucker for a well-placed musical theme that, that swells yeah. and dovetails with the triumph of the heroes over the baddies. Yeah. Like I, I'm a, I am a, a bit, um, I'm a bit of a musical head because the pi- p- strings and pianos get me and using, using a pop song to, um, and how do I want to, what they do is in pause. a use read. the sc- what, they, what they what they do is they use the script to embody the for lack of a better term soul of the city of New York itself yeah. in kind of turning the Statue of Liberty into this like patriotic symbol that is it's it's super on the nose. It couldn't get more obvious, but in in taking that like New York spirit, which is pulled, it, it's ju that that stone is juiced in a few <laughs> different movies, right? It's it's in one of the fucking Spider Man movies where he like passes out and his mask gets pulled off yeah. and he's and he's. Falling out of the train, and they all pull him back in, and they all say they'll keep the secret
1: of who he is. Yeah, that was a and powerful th- scene. Like, that shook that me. To, that, know? to me,
0: yeah. is, like, the best Spider-Man scene I've ever seen. Ever.
1: Because yeah.
0: because it, because it um, taps into that same bone marrow that's in the Statue of Liberty business of Ghostbusters 2 is... Is New York a miserable, gentrifying nightmare that embodies so many of the problems of the United States? Yes. But it's also, in a microcosm, ultimately the uh, the struggle of Americanism in yeah. a tiny, dense, little, fucked-up
1: coal diamond Yeah, thing. that's because you also have a lot of people living there which is right. a real thing and people whenever it comes down to it are going to express themselves probably with a unity and and a caring that they don't want to admit or don't want to like hint towards having for the sake of urban survival um, in, <laughs> Right. in so well, a situation mean... where like uh, a seventeenth-century Carpathian dungeon master <laughs> comes to destroy the city.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and the, char- the character of the character of New York is defined uh, so much by a couple of things. One, they're in the intense cauldron of them all having to be on top of each other at all times. Yes whether you're fucking, you know, uh, John Mullaney or somebody begging for change on the subway. yeah. The the people that are uh, the 1% in New York, they have, you know, Keanu Reeves is riding the subway with beggars. And you don't get that in Los Angeles. You don't get that in Miami. There is a, um, a teeming life to everybody having to bump shoulders with each other. And it's what creates that, like, I'm walking here, attitude that the city has, marshalling that incredible underground anxiety and energy into one massive symbol to defeat a symbolic flowing ooze of bad vibes is a, a perfect and... Such a surprising choice in the script where it would be so easy for Ghostbusters 2 to be about nothing other than selling more action figures and making sure that, you know, Bill Murray gets um, the apartment that he wants on the Upper (laughs) West Side or whatever the fuck. But instead, it really does swing for the fences in trying to say something about the American and New York character on the whole and that we're not going to put up with this yeah. fascist bullshit from some moldy dickhead from a painting in a in an empire of 2000 miles away who just wants to do this because he's at the top of the heap You know what? Let's let's take five, and then we'll talk about what we think yeah. Ego represents. How about that? Because I need a I need a liquid to the liquidary my face off
1: to, to the, the liquidarium. <laughs> if only there was a word for a giant thing that contains liquid. The Whoa. This chair sucks so bad. All of them break, and all break. No,
2: this chair doesn't have the
1: problem with the left So we were discussing um Robin Williams' portrayal of Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs>
0: That is not a. That is not a monster. It could be. That, char- that character ages terribly. Mm. Like the whole if, movie does. If it wasn't the main character it's su- it's super yeah. confusing because I, in retrospect you're like, wait a second, Pierce Brosnan is the hero of this fucking movie and you just get constantly shit yeah. on by everybody, including like the it, audience yeah. watching And it. Robin like, Williams
1: aside from like being the main character that you're supposed to relate to is genuinely awful and ignores his kids and is a terrible yeah. shitty selfish asshole. <laughs>
0: It's truly a case of um just because he's the person that the movie is about and a very charismatic star <laughs> that that you have any sympathy for him whatsoever <laughs> like love me love me I have extreme mental problems yeah, love me it's just very the, the very the children odd. were
1: like obviously written by adults because those <laughs> children don't <laughs> exist <laughs>
0: Yeah, whenever I write my next script, I'm definitely handing the writing of the children over to children.
1: Yeah. Here, Jane, just write some shit down. So what you might say. So what about Vigo? I think that Vigo was a case where sexy. they said, it was very sexy, Was uh, they, they said, what if we took Dracula and instead of making his story tragic, we just make it disastrous?
0: Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think yeah. There's definitely there's de, there's a big Vlad the Impaler vibes there. Um, you know the idea of this historical figure yeah. of a of a national leader who's also probably a psychopath who is able to manifest that as domination over you know nearby nations in a region of the world and yeah and that. Th- I think that it's also probably not a coincidence that 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 turns into supernatural monstrosities, whether it's in Bram Stoker's book about Dracula or whether it's Ghostbusters 2, which is to some extent derivative of that, because I think it's it's what one of the things that I am learning through the process of creating this show is that um, that cryptids and monsters and, you know, super beings that represent our own fears come to encapsulate ideas that are either too messy or too frightening to explain in a much more elaborate way. Right. Yeah, You know, you'd like, you know, so Genghis Khan is you, you kind of have to reduce him down to a couple of weird little lines of trivia to to say it in a way that a high school student can comprehend. <laughs> you know what I mean? But then you keep unraveling he was a that-
1: totally tubular dude. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, you you keep pulling those um, like clown ribbons out of the sleeve yeah. and you're like, wait a second, all of the actual shit about this character is like beyond belief. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. hashtag stranger than fiction. So in a way, wrapping that up in a supernatural, blood drinking, you know, nation destroying, uh, v- villager raising maniac yeah. is in some way... It's a simpler idea. It does the job of kind of what conspiracy theories do to say, like, there's just some primordially evil characters and watch out for them. (laughs) You know, it's not – that's easier than sometimes psychopaths get in charge of countries – and fuck up whole empires with decades of um like murderous intent. Yeah.
1: Because that's complicated and ugly and messy. Bill Murray calls it at the beginning of the movie, whenever he says he's lost his kitten. We'll just uh-huh. paint a kitten here. Carpathian kitten loss. He's missed his kitten. We'll just put one in here by the castle. Yes, we don't go around
3: altering valuable artworks, Dr. Wakeman, go. Yes, I think go. Yes, the, the joyfulness is over. In
1: the corner of the painting, and then Yannos freaks out. No, don't go around altering valuable artworks, Dr. Wakeman. Please go. Yes, I think go. <laughs> uh-huh. And then Bill Murray yes. calls him a hunky stud, which he doesn't mean hunky as in, you know, a hunk. He, <laughs> he means it as the slur.
0: like, uh, like... Yeah, he means a bow hunk, a, a bow from Bohemia, <laughs> you know, which is which, by the way, um, those of us who are into villainous vocab should want to know that's where honky comes yeah, from. Honkies is it is honk like calling white people honkies comes from white on white racism from the uh, 19th century yeah. of Bohemians coming from Eastern Europe. From the Bohemian region would have, for a, a time, been called Bohunks by the top of the pyramid, like white whites, and that would have just eventually simplified into hunks and you know honks and honkies and yeah, then people um, have... stolen by stolen by the African and Americans to just basically derisive of all uh, all whites. People
1: around here are well familiar with the term hunky. <laughs>
0: um yeah the hunky call Colm- Hunk- Medina right
1: yeah. yeah I think I'm like actually 118th hunky <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: yeah I'm 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 one10th Brutus the Barber beefcake
3: <laughs> life is old older than the trees younger than the mountains
2: like
0: a yeah, I will say that um, Ghostbusters 2 did not um, extinguish my enthusiasm for Annie Potts at all.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you want to play Super Mario Brothers or something? <laughs> <laughs> I
0: The fact that they extended the relationship between um, Lewis Tully and Janine Melnitz, I thought was extremely charming. Yeah, and also she just got like like weirder and hotter because I don't yeah. know I don't know if she's I don't know if she's playing because that's not some kind of Long Island
1: stereotype that I'm not aware of, right? I think it's kind of closer to a Jersey thing.
0: It would you it, would you say? Because I don't because that's yeah, not a, that's not a Jersey accent.
1: I don't no, but it's it's like a New York Jersey. uh like if you like if your family came from New Jersey to live in New York type of person.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Which there's a lot of. Yeah, Annie Potts is great. Just fo- follow yeah. <laughs> follow her on social media.
0: She's a lot. She's lovely. Oh yeah. There's a ridiculous movie from when she was like significantly younger with um, her and Mark Hamill. Called Corvette Summer, which is <laughs> yeah. a bizarre, yeah, bizarre <laughs> '70s bullshit, um, like uh, car as penis stand-in plot movie. But yeah. she's um, more than a little bit naked in it. So if that's if that's yeah. interesting, interesting for people, um, it was interesting for me and probably Mark Hamill. And Annie, po- yeah. Annie Potts
1: is great. She rules. She kicks ass. Well, the. That car is also wicked awesome. Yeah, that's like supposed to be their <laughs> like
0: um m- like mechanics shop class car that he makes yeah. in shop class. I'm like, holy yeah. shit, man, standards have really degraded from the seventies. All I made was fucking yeah. like woodburn or woodburn bookends. Holy crap. <laughs> like, <laughs> like he makes basically yeah, like a fucking so transformer. So
1: yeah, it's not so much a Corvette as it is a dragon. Yeah, seriously. Yeah,
0: it looks, <laughs> yeah, it looks like a, a character from one of the space the, the Transformers movies that happens in space and is all about how like it's actually Jesus Christ or some shit. Um, yeah. I can't really recommend the movie, but it's got Mark <laughs> Hamill and Annie Potts, and it's pretty hot. From what I remember, yeah, it pretty it's cool. basically like cars are boners. You get it. It's just way too long because it's in the 70s and everything in the 70s. Like every scene is like 19 fucking minutes.
1: Yeah, I know what you're talking about. 70s movies doesn't.
0: Even good movies sometimes. Yeah. From especially the 70s, they're the like, good holy shit, open the door, get to your car. I get it.
1: I think that's where I got the. I used to think that only good movies were long. And like the shorter a movie was, the worse it. And that's the only thing that you judged a movie by. That's really what I thought.
0: Well, there was and there there certainly was an era <laughs> where a lot of the evocative movies were like shaking their big two VHS box at you. You know what yeah. I mean? They're like, well, what do you like? Braveheart, Heart, and Titanic—the two best movies that Whoa. anybody has I'm ever was made. Younger
1: than when Braveheart. Came. <laughs> I was like nine or ten whenever I thought that only good movies. Were yeah, long.
0: Lawrence of fucking Arabia, the
1: only good movie ever. It's yeah, nine like laser discs long. Why does everybody keep making fun of Ishtar? <laughs> it's two days long.
0: I saw a fucking Ishtar gag today. What is that? <laughs> what is up with that? What is up with our minds? It was a. I, it was a um, fucking what's his name? The guy with the peel away calendars. The what's the cartoon from the from the the motherfucking Sunday comics. Um, The Living End. Gary Larson. Gary Larson. It was a fucking Gary Larson comic where it was mm-hmm. the video? It said video, yeah, video store stores in, hell, in hell,
1: and it was just yeah. racks and
0: racks of Ishtar. Racks of Ishtar. Did, did the internet just <laughs> both show, show both of us that this morning or something? What's going no, on? No,
1: I didn't. I just made an Ishtar joke out of nowhere. I will. I will do that. <laughs> okay. It happens with me. I'm tuned into the metaphysics of the world.
0: I, you're, you're, um,
1: weird. I'm beyond it all.
0: Yeah, you're weird. Tiefling magic is rubbing off on me or something. I don't know. Some something's happening.
1: All right. Morian,
0: um, not a tiefling. Let's climb off of this sexually symbolic <laughs> Corvette and finish up this fucking show.
1: And go go into bitch and van art. I,
0: I, I don't we know. should just take it for granted that all of the Ghostbuster stuff is great. We love fucking yeah. Rick Moranis and his choice to take yes. care of his children and not be a Canadian film star. We love yes. Sigourney Weaver because she's fucking Sigourney Weaver. She is the greatest yeah. sci-fi heroine of all time. Um, Bill Murray is motherfucking Bill Murray. Um, yeah, Dan, Dan Aykroyd it's... is the greatest um, ufologist who carries a badge for no sensical reason to ever walk the planet Earth. And Harold Ramis is my personal
1: spirit animal. Oh, yeah, the... Um... The song, Keep on Lifting Me Higher and Higher, uh, was even referenced by Bill Murray as Jackie Wilson, uh, having sung it, but none of it in the movie is Jackie Wilson. It's Howard Huntsbury. Huh. Okay. Yeah. All right. Even though Jackie Wilson did it a while ago. The version they use in the movie is different. Interesting.
0: Yeah, it's a I love the version of the movie. It's very compelling. It really yeah. does the job. Alright, well let's Ernie R. Hudson's over into the end of the motherfucking show.
2: It's, oh, it's the end of the show. Is it is it
3: is it, is it, is it Bitchin' van art?
0: Is Ghostbusters 2's Vigo the Carpathian and the Scolari brothers Bitchin' and van art? Huh.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, if you throw the Scolari brothers behind Vigo into his landscape, like just <laughs> just out of nowhere, then yes. People will know but to what to me it that
0: is. seems like caviar with a couple of fucking meatballs on top, though. Hell yeah, it
1: is. <laughs> That's
0: uh, caviar in a big one. <laughs> it's delicious. It's the jolly it's the Jolly Bee menu. It's um yeah, it's Yeah. It's a it's a <laughs> cheese cheeseburger and some motherfucking spaghetti. Comma bitch <laughs> period. Um huh, ble bleh. I gotta I think I have to be I think I have to dissent. I well I can imagine a version of Vigo that is bitch and Van Art, but I think you'd have to get into the Vigo extended universe where he's like wielding a sword Vlad style on yeah. like a medieval tapestry. Yes, definitely.
1: And also if you make Vigo bitch and van art, it would have to be a Ghostbusters specific bitch and van.
0: Yeah, which is like. I
1: don't. It feels like too much of a stretch for me. I don't know. Because the. Like, the generic Transylvanian. Like, fight master, castle lord. Yeah. Is Bitchin' and van art, but if it's Vigo, then you know it's Vigo. I.
0: All right, I think he won. I think I've been won over. I can, I can barely, I can go for it. I mean, it's a yeah, yeah. I guess I got, I guess I gotta say yes. Well,
1: that's the thing. If it's a bitch and Van Art for Ghostbusters, then yes, that's bitch and Van Art. But if you go into like generic territory, well, and just I, make I, it what like what
0: I'm said, imagining like a, is just yeah. like a a really fucking abstruse, just like Vigo Van, <laughs> and yeah, and. It, here's the thing is that, that all the slime that is kind it. of fucking metal, though, is <laughs> it, like, yeah, so I can I can see I can see it slipping through. All right. Yeah, we're we're in it. We we do have a quorum. It's a yes.
3: Yes, is it, is it? Is it? Is it? Is it bitchin' van art?
0: I love when old old people really ratchet up the intensity of really banal shit. Yeah, I love it too. you know, the Taliban just moved in across the street and you're
2: like,
0: (sighs) holy
1: fuck, my cat is stupid. (laughs) Or, you know, or whatever the fuck it is. Yeah, they moved that show to Thursday. Holy shit. You know what I do Thursdays? I can't watch that show now. Fuck. (laughs) I take my weekly shit on Thursdays.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Harumph. Harumph. The segment on the show where we describe all the fucking goblins. Ho! So
0: that's um. When was the last time you saw Dracula Dead and Loving It, the Mel Brooks
2: Dracula (laughs) parody? Because
0: I saw some of it at the apothecary, like um around (laughs) Halloween time. I was there for other business, and it was <laughs> it was on while I was waiting for my party to show up, and I was like, "Shit!" I wow. hated this at the time, but this is pretty funny. It is, I think, because I hated it again fifteen uh, years ago I, when I saw I, it. I I don't. I mean, I was watching, and I was like. It's not funny. <laughs> I thought it was pretty fucking funny when I was watching it a few months ago. I got to say
1: some things are funny in the movie, of course, because Mel Brooks doesn't necessarily fuck up completely. It is it is ever. a few arch it is a few notches more arch and like it's really
0: reaching for the gags. You know what I mean? Like like yeah. it's it's it is totally a gag machine. Like it's just loading yeah. gags into the barrel. Like a fucking M sixty, it is bullet fed gags. But yeah. if you accept that, I think I think it's enjoyable. I do, I just I think yeah. when I originally tried to well, consume I it, I was not I was dead set against that that vibe.
1: Well, I just, I love that vibe. I just didn't think they were very good gags. No,
0: you're probably right. I don't know. So the, what uh, is this? This is a picture of what.
1: I don't know. It's
0: Peter McNichol as Renfield. It's Peter
1: McNichol as Renfield. Um
0: yeah. which actually ties into our episode. Um yeah. largely. Did you pick this before? No. I was I was oh, okay. free balling. That would be a real that would be a real... that would Yeah, that would be no, a real no, dinger. No, I mean yeah, people would people would scream um Russian conspiracy if that were the case. But uh I don't want
1: to get topical about No. He's uh he looks He looks, he looks like he's a method actor, but he's a comedian. Well, he's
0: also, yeah. I mean, also do it Renfield, which is what he is doing. Right. But you have to, you know, I think even if you're Peter McNichol, you're allowed to put a little bit of a force field around your performance in a Mel Brooks movie, making fun of Dracula movies. Yeah. And yeah. um, this is obviously the case where he's do he's doing the character, uh, you know, if if um, you know your great Peter McNichol characters, your true method blending into the tapestry of of dramaturgy characters are a ten, and Yanush is kind of a five or a six. Then this Renfield is kind of like a negative one. He's really like, "I'm <laughs> delivering lines using my face uh yeah. but I don't know i i I find it to be a good use of a good use of your McNichol. you don't want to abuse your McNichol every every ten years or so, yeah, you can drag him out You've and turn to... him into a puppet,
1: yeah. You gotta take care of your you gotta take care of your McNickel method methodically. <laughs>
0: you have to methodically and sh- matriculate your McNickel. Should
1: we should we celebrate how Brendan Fraser has uh uh seemed to notice that all of his fans are still his fans yeah, and everybody I loves him? I
0: think th- you know why I think that it's delightful is because I think it's genuinely I think it's genuinely delightful because I think he's actually genuinely surprised on, not, not, uh, Yeah. not and I don't you know, there's a lot of bullshit in Hollywood, and there's probably layers of that where he knows that if he embraces that kind of meme of him being surprised, there are layers there yeah. are layers of that that are being orchestrated. But I think on a larger well, a larger emotional arc i think it actually is true that he was really hidden he, yeah. i think he was really hidden in the shadows in a emotionally in a way that is authentic
1: well i think he should know that the 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 feeling and the appreciation of people for uh what he has done and how he has become uh, an icon for not just, like, our generation, but Generation X, too, uh, also, and, like, um, all of that, and whenever, whenever this bullshit happened ten years ago where they tried to make a meme making fun of how he looked, I think he should know that none of us swallowed that. We all hmm. said, like, oh, yeah, that's terrible. Why are you making fun of Brandon uh, Fraser? Yeah. It, like, we all said that at once, huh. and, it, and it disappeared. And I think that all of those memes and that That kind of joke that wanted to happen, like, by assholes. Somebody engineered this thing, trying to call Brendan Fraser, like, a a washed-up actor, and, like, now he's out of shape and everything. And the entire movie-going audience said, like, no, so? He's Brendan Fraser. (sighs) We will love him forever. And I don't think that part was vocal enough for him to... uh, recognize, or not recognize, for him to see, because I think he only saw the memes and shit, which is devastating, and I'm sorry Brendan Fraser that that happened, but that's not the feeling of anybody, anybody at all, even mean people (laughs) do.
0: I think that, um, that no matter how briefly one experiences being like a true megastar, um, that one's experience of how Unless you are some kind of almost quasi-unreal being that that you must experience your how you see how you are perceived as a very disorienting and emotional kaleidoscope of disorienting images and ideas and yeah, it's weird. I think yeah. if if you are at your core, someone who I feel like, Brennan Fraser must be is accessing like a true vulnerability and on some level naivete that is true to who he is, that that, that living, living through the lens of that kaleidoscope will at times be like super damaging and leave you not having a sense of where North is. And, um, I'm glad that he's on whatever this new stage of um, development that he's in because it, it's. I, yeah. I I think everybody uniformly agrees it's awesome to have him back doing things and that he's just a yes. super lovable character. All right. Well, I think we managed to describe some some business there. I think we checked it off. We
1: sure did describe a lot. Describe this has been s- describing all of the Brendan Fraser love. <laughs>
2: The segment on the show where we describe all the fucking goblins. And that brings
0: us to the end of our time with you, dear reader. Until next time when we deliver you another batch of beasts, bullywugs, and bowls of flesh eating dessert fluff.
1: And if you'd be so kind as to tell a friend or support us by throwing Oops All Monsters a five-star review on iTunes, or a good review on whatever platform you heard us on, that really does help. And upcoming Gavin Longshanks is going to be doing a lot of stuff. If you want to check out my Twitch channel, I'm on that. And if you want to check out my YouTube channel, that that exists as well. But I'm going to be, like, actually doing a bunch of stuff, so cool cool cool
0: so yes. share an episode on social media if you would and hit up our instagram at oops monsters to see imagery that goes along with the
1: episodes comment on instagram and tell us about the monsters that you want us to, to that you want us to see that you want us to review and talk about review no look at, at this correct. monster <laughs> look at this hey. monster tell us which monsters we should look talk at about this fucking Give us suggestions and role-playing game stories at oopsallmonsters at com. One word, oopsallmonsters at gmail.com.
0: And if you want to toss a coin into the potion fund, hit us up with a one-shot contribution at paypal.me slash oopsallmonsters. Or if you're feeling really froggy, it would be extra cool if you signed up at patreon.com slash Oops, all monsters at any level. One dollar a month, that would kick ass. We're not picky. Um, Lastly, I have to thank my wonderful friend Katie for our incredible theme song. Her work as part of the duo The Darling Kathleen's can be found on YouTube at The Darling Kathleen's. And with that, I have been
1: Hess. And I have been Gavin.
0: And we have been Drippings with goo. Drippings with
1: goos.
0: <laughs> you knew it was going to happen.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. I I almost screwed up and said, and I have been Gavin, ruler of goo. <laughs> but that wouldn't have gone down very well.
0: Man, I'm glad none of my, uh, like, I don't, I'm don't. glad I don't have, like, a, a secret fetish for, like, drippings with goo. There's a lot yeah. of that on the internet. What's up with that? <laughs> <laughs> so many people are. So many people want to be drippings with. So many with, people, the so people want to be drippings with goo. with goo. I mean,
1: just like fucking yeah, Dawn soap and mud. Like, what the hell? Well, it's that positive slime. Like I said, it acts like <laughs> it's in a not narcotic Positive slime's
0: not like real. Positive not
1: slime. Not a, a documentary that Harold
0: Ramis made. <laughs>
1: What a what a terrible thing to state that positive slime yeah, isn't I'm real. I'm Winston
0: Zetamore <laughs> and welcome to the third episode of Positive Slime and You. <sighs> <laughs>
3: C'est bon